Welcome to another edition of Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. We're so glad you chose to listen with us today, and we pray your life will be blessed through the following message. You see, what we do is we're making provision for the flesh. We're saying, I'm, all, I'm just human, I can't help this, it doesn't make any difference. And God said, don't do that. If you sin, repent. But don't excuse or justify the sin that's in your life. You are not like the rest of mankind. You are a new creation. You have the Holy Spirit abiding in you. You have a teacher. You have a guide. You have someone that's saying, I'm going to lead you in the paths of righteousness, and I'm going to fill you with everything that you need. There will be no lack in your life if you will begin to listen to what I'm telling you. And so he's calling us into this place of walking by the Spirit. During the course of our lives, we face many situations that are out of our control. This feeling of uncertainty can either make us fear or it can make us trust. Whether or not we turn to God or ourselves will answer the question of where we stand spiritually. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason lays out a series of questions to ask ourselves in order to take a spiritual inventory of our lives to determine just where we currently stand and if we need to make any course corrections. I want to start uh, and ask you about your spiritual condition. You know, we find ourselves at a time when everybody's talking about the coronavirus. And they're watching all the television shows, and we're seeing fear and panic spread and uh, all kinds of things. Not that we shouldn't be wise. I think we should be wise, and I think we should, should do everything with, with caution. But we get consumed with our health and everything that goes on with, with all that. And so we don't know... We don't know what Corona is all about. We don't know how it how it really affects the body. We really don't know. It attacks young and old, and so we stay concerned. We stay concerned about our our physical body. In the midst of that, the next thing that comes along is where are we spiritually? You know, where are you spiritually? Where do you stand spiritually? And the Lord began to deal with me a couple of weeks ago about that, and He carried me back to Revelation three fourteen. And Revelation 3.14 says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Now if you wonder who the Amen, the faithful witness is, that's Jesus. And so he said, write down the words of Jesus. And he said, this is what to say to the church. This is to the Laodicean church. He said, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I have need of nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent here he comes in and he calls us to this place where he says that he said there are lukewarm conditions going on because everything's going good because everything in your life seems to be on the uptick 
you begin to walk away from God, and he's not as important as he has been. Now, one of the things that's happened with the coronavirus is we realize we don't have the control we thought we had. I love the fact that, that God has used this to, to awaken us to the fact that we are not in control. Anybody thought you could control your atmosphere, control your circumstances? You can't control anything. That's an illusion. And so we don't want to be in a place of self-deception. We don't want to think that we are, we are on fire for God when we are still lukewarm about it. We haven't put him in the proper place. You see, that's what had happened to the Laodicean church. Because everything in their life was going good, they thought that God was honoring everything that they were saying and everything that they were doing. And they were very content with the place that they were in. And they thought God was content with the place that they were in. And so God, Jesus tells them, said, I know your works. I know where you stand. You don't think you have need of anything. You think you're self-sufficient. You think that you can take care of your own problems. You think that you don't need me, and yet I'm telling you that you're naked, you're blind, you're deceived. You're in a bad place. Revelation 3.20, Jesus goes on and says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And so Jesus goes on to say, he says, The cure for lukewarmness is relationship and fellowship with Jesus. He's telling us, he said, what is my heart in the midst of this? Draw near to me. One of the things that the Holy Spirit began to lay on my heart was he said, Eddie, I want you to check your spiritual condition. And he gave me five things. He said, what is your heart's desire? What do you really want, Eddie? What do you really want? The second thing he said, he said, are you pursuing holiness? Hmm. Good question. The third thing he asked me, he said, are you walking in humility? The fourth thing he said, he said, are you hungry for my word? And the fifth thing he said is, heaven your home. And so when you, when you begin to look at those five things, you begin to find out whether you're lukewarm or whether you have a real desire for the Father. And so he's calling us into this place. So I had to ask myself this question, what is my heart's desire? What do I really, really want? And so as I began to look and see what I want is my heart's desire, I began to say, you know, God, I, I know I want you, but I have a flesh that my flesh desires many, many, many things. And so when my flesh rises up and begins to desire different things, it's hard not to walk past those temptations. How many of you ever given in to the flesh? Amen. Many, many, many times. And the scriptures tell us, they, they tell us that we have to be careful of the desires of the flesh because they will lead us down the wrong path. I'm just going to read a few of them. Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. How many times have we sinned and just said, Well, I'm just human? How many times have we just said, I'm going to give in to this temptation just this one time. It'll be okay. I am just a, I'm just flesh and blood, and therefore it's all right if I give in to it. You see, what we do is we're making provision for the flesh. We're saying, I'm, all, I'm just human. I can't help this. It doesn't make any difference. And God said, don't do that. If you sin, repent. But don't excuse or justify the sin that's in your life. 
He said, if you're justifying it, what you're doing is you're making room for the flesh. I heard a sermon one time. It said, fire your defense attorney. I thought, fire my defense attorney. Yeah, he said, fire your defense attorney. I said, what are you talking about? He said, Eddie, you defend and justify everything you do. He said, you've got a defense attorney, and God's saying, quit defending what you're doing. Just admit what you're doing is wrong. Repent, humble yourself, and come to me. Get rid of your defense attorney. Amen. Amen. He said, I don't want to gratify the desire of the flesh. I ask myself, am I in that position? And I go, wow. Second, he goes on in Galatians 5.16. Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. He said, your flesh and your spirit are, are in direct, they're, they're in battle. How many of you have experienced that battle? I know I have. I, I know I have. And I hate to admit it, but too many times the flesh wins. Too many times the flesh wins. I, I've been doing this diet, and uh, I, I really enjoyed what God's been doing to me. But ever so often, man, I tell you what, Sue's been eating those potato chips. Thank, gosh, thank goodness she hadn't been eating honey buns, but she's been eating potato chips. And ever so often I just look at those potato chips and I go, what should I do? What should I do? And the Lord says, you know what you're supposed to do. And I said, I've tried. I'm going to eat the potato chips. How many times do we eat the potato chips? That's what I want to know. How many times do we decide that we can just partake in what's going on around about us? And so he says, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Too often we don't even counsel with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you where this really comes into play is when you get angry. When you get angry, the first thing that happens is you're not listening to what the Holy Spirit says. You're going to give in to the emotions of the flesh, and you're going to allow the emotions to dictate what you're doing. And so when we begin to do that, what we're doing is we're pushing the Father, we're pushing the Holy Spirit to the side and saying, I'm going to be angry. I have a right to be angry. How many of you have a right to be angry? Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to be condemned. <laughs> Amen? And so we, we decide we have this right to be angry because our flesh is now dictating to our spirit what must be done. And the Father said, do you really desire to be with me? If you desire to be with me, then you need to begin to consult with me and talk with me, and you need to start working on the fact that the Holy Spirit is in charge and you're not in charge. Turn to your neighbor and say, Holy Ghost is in charge. So we have, to, we have to get to that place. He's not there. We're going to be real. We realize that's not where we are. But God said, if you'll just come and begin to sup with me, if you'll just begin to fellowship with me, if you'll just begin to, to, to have that relationship with me, he said, your mind is going to be changed. And as your mind begins to be changed, your desires are going to begin to change. Your desires will begin to change. In Galatians 5.24, he said, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have you crucified the flesh? Mm -hmm. If I have, I didn't do a real good job of it. Amen. Because the flesh creeps up way too often. And then in Ephesians 2.3, he says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not like the rest of mankind. 
You are not like the rest of mankind. You are a new creation. You have the Holy Spirit abiding in you. You have a teacher. You have a guide. You have someone that's saying, I'm going to lead you in the paths of righteousness, and I'm going to fill you with everything that you need. There will be no lack in your life if you will begin to listen to what I'm telling you. And so he's calling us into this place of walking by the Spirit. Ephesians 4.22, he said, put off your old self. Who's he telling to put it off? Me. Telling me, put off your old self. Christ has already paid the price. Christ has already defeated Satan. Sin no longer has control over me. My flesh can be put under the Spirit, but I have to make that decision. I have to decide to put the flesh under me. Now, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. I am empowered. Paul said in Romans, he said, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the very things I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. But thank God through Jesus Christ, there is a way that that can be changed. We don't want to live out of that place where that the flesh has control. And so he's calling us into this place of lukewarmness, into a passionate relationship with him. He goes on and said, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to change your mind. Your thinking is wrong. You know why it's wrong? It's because we think in terms of the flesh. We think in terms like all other men do. And God says in this scripture, he said, we are not like the rest of mankind. We are a totally different creation. We have a totally different mindset. Now, I'm not condemning, I'm not condemning you or me if we're not there. But I'm telling you, if we have settled then we're in the same place that the Laodicean church is. They settled for what was going on, and God said, you are wretched, pitiful, naked, blind. You are not who you think you are. He's saying, awaken to the fact that you need more of me. You need to put on more of Christ Jesus. And so he's called us into that place. And he said, be renewed in your mind. Let your mind be, be brand new. When my mind is renewed, and my thinking is correct, then guess what? The flesh no longer is the desire of my heart. Guess what the desire of my heart then is? It's to know Jesus. It's to know Jesus. Can I just be real gut level honest with you? If you want anything more than you want the revelation of Jesus Christ, things are out of order in your life. And I, and I have to admit there are many times that there are things in my life that I want more then I want relationship. And the reason I know that is because I spend more time doing those things than I do pursuing the relationship with Christ. Again, I'm not condemning, I'm just saying we just need to be real. We need to understand where we are. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to move us into a place to where that we're no longer in that, but the desire of our heart is to know God. It's to really know Him, to have greater revelation of who He is. It is to walk where He walks, to be with Him. It says in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life. Say that. This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Look what he said eternal life is. You know what most of us have done? We have made heaven just like earth with no problems. We made heaven just like earth with no problems. 
And we're going up there, and we're going to have this glorious mansion, and we're going to see Mama and Daddy, and we're going to have all these friends, and we're going to have these meals together, and we're not going to get belly aches, and we're not going to get fat, and we're not going to get sick, and we're not, and we are. But you see, that becomes the very focal point of what heaven is all about. And the reality is that eternal life is to know God. It is to understand God. It's to have a revelation of who He is. So that when we pass from this life to the next life, man, the blinders are taken off and God begins to reveal Himself in such a way that we cannot imagine. And you talk about being enthralled. We will be in such awe of who God is. Nothing else will matter. Nothing else. Billy Graham was asked one time, what is the, what is the most uh, frequent question you're ever at, you're asked? Anybody got any ideas? Well, just think about it because I'm going to tell you. The most frequently asked question about heaven was, would there be sex there? That's right, because most men's minds can't get beyond the idea that there's anything better than that. And Billy Graham said, I, I, he said, I don't know, but he said, whatever we're going to is going to be so much better than that, you cannot even imagine. And so I don't want to bring heaven down into, earthly, into the earthly realm. I want to see my mind and my spirit raised up into the heavenly realm. I want to understand God from God's perspective, not from an earthly perspective. I want to quit viewing him through the lens of a man, and I want to begin to view him through the lens of the Holy Spirit. I want to see God as he really is. Isaiah said, I saw, I saw the, the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Just the very presence of God just began to fill the temple. That's the way we want to see him. We want to know him. We want to know all about him. I've said this many, many times, and it is my, my, my true belief. I believe that for all of eternity, God will be revealing himself to us. Why do we want to wait till we die? We are already eternal beings. We already have eternal life. And so the time to know God is now. Not sometime in the future, but right now. Amen. I want to know him more than I've ever known him. So when I get there, I know who he is. I want to know who he is. So I call myself into that. And so if my heart's desire to know him and be with him, then my quest in life becomes drawing near to him. i got to draw near to him. And so if I'm going to draw near to him, guess what? The next thing that's going to happen is I'm going to pursue holiness. I'm not talking about putting on holiness. We've been made holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to begin to pursue the holiness of God himself. Do you know what holiness means? Holiness is very simple. It says it's the realm of the sacred in contrast to everything common and profane. And so I want that that's, that's more valuable than gold. What did he say in Revelation? Buy from me gold. Try it in the fire. Come to that place to where the, you purchase of me something that has absolute, the greatest value of all time. And so when I begin to pursue holiness, I begin to pursue a right relationship with God. I don't want to let sin stand in the way of what I'm doing. I want to walk in a place where that, that I am saying, God, I am otherworldly. I want to be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. Everybody's always put that saying down. 
Let me tell you, we want to be heavenly minded. We want to be God minded. We want to understand it from his perspective. We don't want to be caught up in the way the world sees things. And so we're called into this place of holiness. We're called into this place to be set apart. I don't want to be like everybody else. How about you? I wasn't called to be like everybody else. I was uniquely made. I was made different than everybody else. I was made to bring glory and honor to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are unique. Only you can fulfill the place that God created for you. That's amazing when you get right down to it. And so why would I want to be like everybody else? Why do I want to act like everybody else? Why do I want to behave like everybody else? Listen, I want to act like God. If Jesus is my hero, he's the one I want to act like. You know, it's been real interesting uh, talking about emulating Christ. Paul said, emulate me or, or copy me as I copy Christ. He said, follow after me. And so I've had uh, Malachi and Rosalie in the car with me a, a good bit lately, and we'd stop and get something to eat, and I'd witness to the people. I'd, I'd begin to share Jesus with them, and matter of fact, Malachi and I got to pray for one lady that was real upset, and uh, we, we talked to him, and so Josh called me, and uh, he said, Daddy, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, Malachi is witnessing to everybody he sees. He said, we pull up somewhere, and Malachi said, do you know Jesus loves you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Now, why do you think he did that? Amen. Why? Because he saw his nana daddy telling people about Jesus. He got excited because about it. And Rosalie's going back there, and she's rubbing her eyes, and she's saying, you don't have to say that to everybody. And Malachi said, yes, I did, too. Yes, I do, too. They might not know Jesus. Guess what? Malachi was absolutely right. They might not know Jesus. Jesus was not ashamed to talk about the Father. Jesus was not ashamed to display the glory of God everywhere he went. Jesus was not ashamed of his own gospel. Jesus came to proclaim truth, and he said, and I've got a people that are here to proclaim truth. That's us. We are the proclaimers of truth. He said, I've created a people that are to glorify me. Jesus said, I came not to glorify myself, but to glorify the Father. You're here not to glorify yourself, not for you to be lifted up or exalted. You're here to glorify the Son of God. You're here so that when people come, they can see Jesus in you. You're here so that when people recognize you, they say, hey, there's something different about that man. There's something different about that woman. Those people know Jesus. Come on, you can't do that. Amen. Hey, come on, give God praise. That's right. Give God praise. You can't do that and operate out of the flesh. You can't do that and operate out of sin. You have to operate out of holiness. What I'm telling you today is if you've got sin in your life, you just need to get rid of it. You just need to say, God, forgive me, and let's deal with it. And it may not go immediately. It may take a little while. I don't care. Start the process. Start the process right now. You said, you know, you don't want to become holy? I'm going to give you a prayer. Are you ready? This is a tough, tough prayer. But you got to pray it. All right, it's, it's very lengthy. It says, Father, teach me to love the things you love and to hate the things you hate. Come on. That's holiness, folks. That's holiness. When we begin to love the things God loves and hate the thing God hates, we are walking in holiness. 
Amen. And so he's calling us to that place of holiness. He's also, out of that, he said that, he said, I want us to, to walk in humility. One of the things that happened to the Pharisees was they began to walk out of the humility that Christ had, or God had called them into. They were well-studied men. They knew the scriptures. And all of a sudden, pride began to rise up inside of them because they knew so much more than everybody else. One of the things that will happen to you is you begin to have revelation of Christ. The next thing you know, you start taking pride in the fact you know Jesus like somebody else doesn't know Jesus. That you understand the scriptures better than somebody else does. That you can proclaim things that they can't proclaim. And all of a sudden, you become the know-it-all. And people begin to come to you and ask you questions. And the next thing you know, your head gets all blown up. And you begin to think, man, I'm something special. And the next thing you know, you've quit pursuing Jesus, and you've started pursuing your own honor. You see, pride can take over so quick. So quick. That flesh, man, it likes to be built up. I was listening to an FBI agent one time. He was at a, a, a men's a fellowship, a breakfast that we were having downtown Atlanta. And he said, man, I lived on adrenaline. He said, I was an adrenaline junkie. He said, I used to go after the worst of the worst. He said, my favorite thing to do was to kick a door down in about 2 o'clock in the morning and put a 45 right up next to a guy's head and say, you under arrest. He said, that adrenaline would just begin to consume me, and it would begin to eat me up. And he said, the next thing you know, I started getting pushed higher and higher and higher. And he said, the adrenaline of being promoted all of a sudden began to become even greater than the adrenaline of kicking doors down. And he said, the next thing I know, I'm the governor of Mississippi. And he said, they got people opening doors for me. And they got policemen walking around with me. And he said, the press starts covering me. And the next thing I know... I'm starting to move into the press's position because they're the ones that helped get me elected. And now they are controlling me because I like the status that I have achieved. He started out as a man of God. And before he, before he ended his term as governor, the enemy had swelled his head to the point that he had put God in a box and set him aside. As you push in and the revelation of Christ gets greater and greater, the next thing you know, you become the expert. The humility begins to go. I got friends right now that they think they know it all. The problem with the Pharisees was they knew it all. They knew it all. And when you reach that point where you know it all, you're in trouble. When you can't admit that you don't know the answer to a question that's being raised, you're in trouble. Why? Because pride has taken over. And once that pride takes over, it all of a sudden begins to wreck fellowship with God. And the direction, instead of pointing people to Jesus, begins to point people to you. Am I making sense to you this morning? See, see, I want us to be I want us to be spiritually strong. I want us to be physically strong. I don't want coronavirus to get a hold of us, but I also don't want the Laodicean virus to get a hold of us either. I'm more afraid of the Laodicean virus than I am of the coronavirus. I'll just be straight up honest with you. That we would become complacent in our in our worship. We would become complacent in our praise. That we wouldn't pursue God the way we're supposed to pursue Him. And so we've been called into this place of holiness. We've been called into this place of revelation. We've been called into this place of hunger. Are you hungry for God's Word? You see, we go through this thing that says, Hey, I want God's Word. 
Sometimes that's through reading. Sometimes that's through worship. Sometimes that's through listening. Let me tell you, I can tell you how hungry you are by the amount of time you spend pursuing that. If you spend more time watching television than you do pursuing God, there's probably something wrong. Probably something not quite right about that. That means you're just not hungry. Are you condemning me? No, I'm not. I'd have to point the finger at myself many, many times. But what I'm telling you is there's something needs to change. We need to get hungry for fellowship with God. And what did Jesus say? He said, I'm knocking at the door, and I want to come eat. In other words, Jesus is saying, anytime you'll open the door, I'll come in. Wow. If you get hungry. I went to, I went to Haiti with... Uh, with um, Gary. Gary forgets to eat. He gets busy and he forgets to eat. And I told him one day, I said, Gary, I can forget a lot of things, but I'm not going to forget to eat. He said, no, I said, not only do I eat when I'm hungry, I eat by the clock. At 1230, it's time to eat. I don't care whether you're hungry or not hungry. Gary said, well, I, I, he said, he said I'm, not, I'm not hungry. I said, well, it's okay. I am. Let's go eat. And so he accommodated me. But he would do that. Not once or twice. He does it quite frequently. That's okay in the natural, but can I tell you in the spiritual, that's not okay? We get so busy. We get so consumed with what life's going on. We get so entangled with the affairs of life that we forget to eat. We don't recognize the hunger pains in our spirit. And because we don't recognize the hunger pains in our spirit, we don't feed ourselves what God has called us to feed ourselves. And so we need to, be, we need to watch ourselves. Again, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just telling you, I'm encouraging you to take this time. You've got more time right now than you've had in a long time. Draw near to God. Let me just close by reminding you of these five things. First, I'm going to ask you, what's your heart's desire? What do you really want? Be honest with yourself. Ain't no need lying. God knows what you want. Are you pursuing holiness? Are you walking in humility? Are you hungry for God's Word? And then the final one is heaven your home. You see, there's a, something so special about understanding that heaven is our home and not earth. The apostles of old, man, they talked about heaven in a way that I've never talked about heaven. They had a desire. Now, I've talked with people that they're ready to go, but all they want to do is escape what's going on on the earth. Paul said, I, he said, man, I have a desire above all things that I might be with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus, but if it's more... If it's more efficient for me to be here, if it's more important for me to be here, I'll be here. But that's not where I want to be. And for most of us, that's not the truth. That is not the truth. We want to be here more than we want to be in heaven. We figure heaven somewhere we'll go one day way on down the road. And that'll be good, and it'll be exciting, and we'll be happy. But it's not like we're saying, hey, I, I really want to be right there where Jesus is. I want to be at the feet of Jesus. I want heaven opened up before me. I want the revelation of who he is. And so when I begin to see, to see where I am spiritually, I have to ask myself that question. Is heaven really my home, or have I homesteaded here on earth? You see, I went away a few times when I was, when I was younger, and I'd get homesick. 
Anybody ever been homesick? Man, I'm telling you, it just, man, you just, you just want to go home. You want to sleep in your bed, didn't you? You want to go and be with your parents. You want to go do something that said, hey, this is familiar. This is where I am. Unfortunately, our homesickness seems to be for here instead of being homesick for heaven. You see, our bed is in heaven. Our house is in heaven. Our comfort and our strength is in heaven. It's not here. And so somewhere along the line, there's got to be a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of spirit. We don't want to be counted those that are lukewarm. We want to be counted among those that are passionate for Jesus, that are pursuing Him with everything that's within us, that desire His presence. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.